just accessed Hardware is Forever, your source for the expert insights, ideas, and innovations you need to do more in the electronics manufacturing industry. From optimization to operations, join us as we put the pieces together for a better approach to manufacturing. Let's go. This is Hardware is Forever. I'm Chris Bentliff and Jay Patel is the CEO at Amtech. And Jay, one of the things that I love about Hardware is Forever in this podcast is it's, it's an outlet, it's a platform, it's a forum for you to share both kind of, I don't know, your philosophies or your perspectives, which have led to your success, and also those that you have, uh, along with your team, ingrained into Amtech. And I think that's really interesting. It's that old adage of dog fooding, you know, like we practice what we preach or we do the things that we say we're going to do. Today, we're talking about culture um, and company culture and core values, which is a bit buzzy and can be a bit vague and can, can feel a bit like posters on the wall. And I'm really interested in your perspective on this, um, particularly where it connects to, um, I don't know, how you stand out in your marketplace and the ways that you uh, kind of function or the 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 sort of state of mind that you're in as you all are just kind of doing your business over there. So let's talk about it. Talk talk to me a little bit about just your sort of base level perspective on the value of the importance of core values, company culture. I think, you know, when something works well, I think everybody tries to adopt it and they adopt it in a very just copy and paste method. So we're going to, you know, everybody says a company needs to culture. So since everybody says that we should do it and they, everybody tries to put something together and it's really not, it's more of a reaction. It's kind of copycatting. And I think, I don't think it's ingrained. They're ingrained. It's not a, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's not a critical analysis. It's not a, it, it is not an intellectual type of implementation either. So I think a lot of the times these things just get, they just get worn out. It really doesn't mean a lot to us. And I think that's where we we did that. And I think a lot of the experience that we have and a lot of the stuff that we have is because we've we failed a lot, fail fast, fail cheap, fail often. So we failed a lot uh, in the past. And we found out that through our experiences, through customer feedback, through conversations we have at the industry in the industry with people that we ha we've had, like what is important? And why is it important? I think what we all come down to is that really culture, our purpose, and our core values are the most important thing in our company. And we feel that that's the most important thing in any organization. So when you are, like when you're talk talking about how, look, that's a bit like we all say it's important and we, we kind of practice it. One of the things that I think about is if you can't go to every employee in your operation and maybe even customers and say, can you describe the culture of this place? And if you aren't getting kind of the same or similar responses, then maybe it's just a conversation you've had, but it's not something that you're instilling. So is that part of what you mean when you're talking about the mistakes that you've made or, or what are some of those mistakes and how have you addressed those or righted that? I, I think a lot of times, it, you know, it all starts with the leadership and a lot of times Leaders put this in place because that's what's expected of being a good leader. But that sometimes these core values and this purpose is it's uh, it is not for me. It is for thee. Mm -hmm. So if if the leadership does not imbibe it and really communicate it through action, everyday actions and everyday decisions and everyday interactions, the culture that's on paper uh, that they want to implement means nothing. So talk to me a little bit about how you do that. How how do you Implement it. How do you practice it? What does it mean in in theory or in action, and not just in theory? 
So I think it, it all, again, it starts with a leadership team. Okay, you know, what are our core values? What do we want to do? What are our purpose to be? And we get to the leadership team to, together, huddle and brainstorm or create that. Once that is there, we and the leadership team is bought into it, we start implementing it. And we take these sub, these things that that are sometimes subjective, like core values and, and purpose, and we objectify it. So then every decision that we make, every interaction that we have, every customer, vendor, or team member that we bring into the fold at Amtech uh, have to meet that and let or even let them go because they don't have the core values. Um, when we do that, it kind of creates an environment where everybody gets along because they have this this baseline core value and fo- a- a- and purpose that they can um, agree to. So then a lot of the interpersonal conflicts go away automatically. And the benefit of that is that you could just be yourself. You're not on defense anymore. And then you can focus on what adds value and what brings you joy rather than managing these fires or these conflicts. And then once that happens and you're managing joy and you're managing adding value to customers and to vendors and to the team, you get a sense of accomplishment. And when you accomplish something, I feel like, and you make progress, that is the greatest sense of joy that we can ever have. Man, I love this. Uh, you, you you continually come back to these functions of emotions in our conversations, which I think is super interesting and uh, a characteristic of your leadership style. But something you said that was interesting was, um, I love this idea of systematizing your culture. How do you avoid sort of homogeny or, or a lack of diversity of thought if you're feeling like we all sort of march to the same drum because you also want debate and you want conflict that helps the work and you want you, you you want to be able to you know have people who think completely different than others but in a respectful way how do you balance that i think i think you need the right people in the right seats and knowing that you need somebody to be a contrarian thinker right so you want to have somebody in your leadership team or in your staff to be a contrarian thinker and even if they're not I think one of the things that we need to do that we do here is encourage healthy debate, healthy conflict that is not personal, but it is for that aligns with the core value and our purpose. So no, no feedback is bad feedback, Mm. uh, but no feedback is good feedback either. So we have to come and have an open dialogue. And and then that goes back to the the core values is does this individual, does our organization respect this? Does this individual understand that feedback will be taken, but it may not be, you know, after we take it and we talk about it, it may not be implemented tomorrow. It may not be implemented next year and it may not be implemented ever because it doesn't make the correct, I guess it just doesn't make sense right now or, you know, in the stage that we're in. So we just got to be able to have people that are open to that and have that dialogue and have that trust within the team that we're here. And I think once we have those core values and those cultures, that transparency opens up. How does this in your marketplace and in, in the industry of electronics manufacturing um, contribute to your competitive advantage? So I think that's that's what we also concluded to. So we've been talking a lot with people in the industry, you know, years, uh, customers, vendors, and really what they tell us that there is people talk about competitive advantages and differentiators, uh, but there's really nothing that really differentiates. Like we take 
circuit boards, we place components down and solder them. You know, something that I, I came to a conclusion a while ago is there's enough capacity in a five mile radius of Amtec that if Amtec was to shut down five miles, wouldn't the the, com- the customers that we have would have backups in a five mile radius. So even a five mile radius, nobody would miss us, let alone globally. Hmm. So, you know, it was a harsh reality to accept that we're just a commodity. Uh, there aren't too many differentiators. We're not in an industry or service that's going to disrupt anything or provide a different way of living, you know, for many people. Uh, and we had to accept that we're really not that special. And that really led to, it's like, if I'm not special, if I'm just like everybody else, then why am I doing this? It's kind of, it's kind of depressing. It's kind of self-defeating. But I think those questions you have to ask as a leader, as a leader. You know what? I, I kind of find it refreshing. Every single company, every single executive is looking for that sort of angle of how are we disruptive? How are we different? You are in some way. But when you can sort of level set to say, look, like we're, we're one among many, everybody. So let's start there. Let's stop sort of with this daydream that we are the Apple you know, we're the the Samsung, we're the people who are going to come in here and really shake. Th- we're not. And we're not really trying to shake things up. We're trying to do really great things for our customers. And if you can sort of get past that, I don't know, that really trendy sort of way of thinking, has it liberated you? Or in what ways has it created opportunity? Like once you get past the, it's a little bit depressing. Okay, but now what? So what do you do with that reality that puts it in your advantage or, or to your, um, to make it a strength for you? Yeah, I, say, I think I think at the end of the day, every company gets to it. Like, you know, you could be a disruptive company. Google came out and with, you know, what Google did with the search and they became the largest, largest information company and the largest advertising company out there. But now they've like, you know, I think they've they've hit, hit their market cap. Like they're they're everywhere now. They can't really exponentially grow further than they're what they've grown. So what is there what is what are they gonna do? And I think Really, it comes down to. Hardware is Forever is a production of Amtec, the proven leader in circuit board manufacturing solutions. From engineering to assembly, testing to supply chain, Amtec is proud to be a partner that our customers can lean on time and time again. If you're looking for a fresh perspective on your next project, we want to help with a free design for manufacturing assessment. Visit us at buildamtech.com slash DFM to get started. It has to be an internal reason. We have to do it for ourselves. And at the end of the day, what we do here, whether it's electronics manufacturing, whether it's search, whether it's developing IoT products or the next big thing, that is just a medium or an opportunity that we have to solve a problem that helps us. And I'm kind of putting these points together to helps us not only survive, but to thrive. So like we use electronics manufacturing, the opportunity to come here to service our customers as a medium for us to thrive. And, you know, everybody needs to survive. We all need shelter. We all need food. We all need the basic necessities. And we also want a little bit to be able to enjoy life, have recreational activities in life. Um, And I think so there's a survival portion of it, but what the culture really does is it gives an environment where you can come to work and we thrive. If individuals thrive, 
then the team thrives. And if the team thrives, the customers thrive. So why do we do what we do is because we do it for ourselves. And the culture, the core values and their purpose drive us to not only survive and provide for ourselves and our, for, for our families, but also thrive. Like I've heard so many people, so many employees say, you know, Jay, we came in here. I look at myself who I was four years ago. And I look at myself right now, my, you know, my partners at home, my family at home say there's a huge difference. I come home, I come to work and I'm happy and I go home and I'm happy. And over a four year period, I feel like I've become a better person. And that is what success means to us. Now, if that individual comes into work every day, we are going to add immense value to our customers because that is who we are. This is kind of tremendous. Uh, and then, and then, that, then we just blow away our competitors yeah. because that is our competitive advantage. We don't have grumpy people coming in, looking at the clock, punching out at, you know, blaming other people for things and having all these interpersonal conflicts. We're focused on our goal. We're focused on our culture. People are at ease. They're thriving. So then naturally we can focus on what adds the maximum amount of value to our market. I mean, <laughs> that's really how many um, how many of us, you know, are just kind of think about our job as a place we have to go to that we're stuck in. It's almost like purgatory or prison or something. We got to do it and we can't wait to get home. We can't wait for the weekend. And you're describing a place that is cultivating, nurturing. Um, that's really interesting. And absolutely, it's going to connect straight line to the mutual investment that I'm going to now make to see if I can make this opportunity better, this relationship stronger, this uh, this customer relationship, uh, you know, healthier, because I feel that way when I'm at work. Very few organizations seem to prioritize that, even as they say they, they do. Can you give me one or two examples? How do you, what are some of the like mechanics of that? How do you help a, a person thrive and what do you avoid doing that could get in the way of that. So I think, you know, what do we do to help a person thrive is I think first we tell them whether working at Amtech or working with Amtech will be a good fit or not. Mm -hmm. So when we hire, review uh, our employees or customers or vendors, we kind of go through the core values and the purpose. And at that time, they could have the most skills or talent in the world, but if they don't fit our culture, we'll pass on them. And we've made that mistake of saying, man, this guy has amazing talent, amazing experience, been in the industry for so many years. Let's just bring them on board. Uh, they may not fit our core values or our culture, but we think we could change that. And it's it hasn't been a good situation for either parties. So number one thing is right away, let them know whether we feel like they'd be a good fit or not. And if they're not a good fit, it's fine. Like we're not here to be a good fit for everybody. Like right. uh, we can only be married to one person at a time. And we do that because that's the right fit. And I feel like that's um, the same thing with culture. So number one, we do is make sure that's the right fit. Number two is we continually look at our culture and see and review our team members to see if they are representing the core values or not. If they did represent the core values and they are not are slipping, we kind of say, okay, what's going on? Like, is there something that we're doing? Is there something that's going on? Let's try to see and bring it back. Uh, so then you can execute at the level you did prior. And if we cannot, again, 
it's not a good fit and we let them go. Um, and I think, you know, when we do let them go, we try to try to preface it as like, don't look at this as a negative thing. Look at this as the pro- maybe the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because if you're not enjoying yourself here and you're not thriving, there's another place that you need to be. So then you can find that joy and you can thrive somewhere else. And we make those decisions. And I think they're hard decisions to make. They're counterintuitive. But in the long run, short term and long term, they've been panning out really well for us. How does this um, uh, inform the sort of natural ebbs and flows of business and of morale and of, you know, even just seasonality or whatever? Like you might have a really busy time where everybody's all hands on deck and you don't really have time to think about anything except getting this thing done. And then you might have a lull where you're in more innovation space, but maybe that's also when people get a little bit more uh, low energy or something. How does... How does this practice uh, inform those sort of natural tendencies that a business goes through and employees and teams go through? I think I think you know one of the things that you you always have to have a good touch point with the staff. You always have to have feedback. You always have to have open communication. So if it is going to get busy, we can say, guys, we're going to have to hunker down. It's going to be a busy few months, and we're going to have to uh, you know really pump some product through to set to help our customers out. Um, and if it's, you know, a little bit slower, it's like, okay, guys, we're a little bit slow. We're going to work on these projects that you, we've been talking about doing for a while. We're going to go ahead and, you know, implement these things so that for, for the next time we get busy, we're ready. Um, but also once you have a strong culture and you bring people in, uh, let's say we need to scale, we need to bring people in. Once you have a bring strong culture, we start bringing people in, um, people tend to conform to what the culture is. So if you have a strong culture and somebody may not have bought into it properly or we're bringing somebody like a you know a, a temp employee in to help us during a busy season because that culture is there uh they don't rock the boat they kind of go with it and then once they go with it they're like yeah this is this is good the, I I enjoy working here and they kind of just it's kind of like peer pressure but positive peer pressure like this is how we roll so you know if you want to if you want to stay you know you know like if you want to be with us and be on this boat together with us, then this is how we this is how we roll. Um, and people just kind of maybe not intentionally conform to it, but they do conform to it, and then they see the positives in it. And if they don't see the positives in it, the nice thing is they self select out, which is great for us, anyways. Yeah, I mean, you're you're it's a natural fit. You're not having to put a ton of effort into, you know, high performance if if you're very excited and happy and comfortable where you are, I imagine that this um, kind of that mindset uh, helps increase efficiency, helps avoid sort of the entanglements and uh, chaotic stuff that can go on in an organization where you're maybe constantly dealing with HR issues or personnel or, or, or people or, or personality issues. You're, you're kind of, if you can eliminate that, you're focused on just the customer and just the job at hand and just elevating the space. Is that true for you? hundred percent. That's true. And we've seen it in action. Our customers see it in action too. What is the challenge then? Is there a constant tension? As you pointed out, we're, we're always revisiting this as leaders and as the leadership team. And like, is, is there a constant tension or does this kind of become like a flywheel where once we got it rolling, it kind of, we don't have to spend a ton of energy on it. It tells us when we need it, when it needs help. It tells us when we're doing the wrong thing. 
Yeah. So I think just like a flywheel to get it going, you have to push really hard. And we're about two and a half years into this process and now we're seeing the benefits. But So we had to stay on course for two and a half years to be able to, to get to the point that we're at right now. So you have to have commitment from leadership for a long time. And once that happens, I think the flywheel just, it just manages itself. Like we even have team members say, Hey, we brought this person in and we don't think it's a good fit. And I don't like working with them. It just, you know, this is, this is what's going on. And we listen to them. And then if, if that's the case, we would sit down with the, the new employee and say, okay, you know, this is, this is some of the feedback that we've gotten. What is, what do you feel? What can we do better? And then if, again, if it's not a good fit, uh, that would be initiated from the staff, the team members, not from necessarily from leadership. So this idea of, you know, being intentionally selective about who you're working with, uh, I think a lot of leaders in a lot of organizations struggle with that or postpone that or um, sort of meander around that. And it creates, we're afraid to have the tough conversation. So we'll have all these other conversations and the tough conversations will be had at the water cooler and it becomes a whole thing. If you were to have like, here's a singular piece of advice that I want to give to the other, to my fellow executives and CEOs, is that, would that be a top of your list? Start to be more selective about who's on your team or what would that be? Yeah, culture over talent. Be super selective. Be super selective. It's kind of like, you know, when we come to work, it's almost like a sacred place because we spend more time, more waking hours here in the weekdays than we do at home. You don't let people into your home just randomly, haphazardly, without without understanding who they are, building a rapport. So why is that any different for work? So I think it's culture and character over talent all the time. Jay Patel is the CEO at Amtech. I mean, just so much wisdom and, and, and guidance in this one. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for kind of, I don't know, calibrating this idea of, of core values and culture in a way that I think the conversation need, needs to be had more often, which is the tactical sort of tangible stuff that makes it go rather than the posters on the wall. It's, it's really good stuff. Thanks for, for the conversation today. I'm looking forward to the next one. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us. And a special thanks to our subscribers and followers. Consider becoming one today wherever you get your podcasts 